when you look at situation not the way you understand it but listening to the external views it has a way of just making something good to be better welcome to the thriving on overload podcast I am Ross Dawson, a futurist and entrepreneur fascinated by how we can excel at dealing with the universe of information, and the author of the book, Thriving on Overload. Every week, we share insights from information masters on how they transform today's avalanche of information into insight, foresight, and better decisions. For more goodness on this topic, be sure to visit thrivingonoverload.com, where there are wealth of resources to help you thrive including all podcast episodes with transcripts, excerpts from my book, and if you are really intent on amplifying your information productivity, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, which helps you develop a personal information plan you can immediately put into practice. And be sure to sign up for our weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter if you want to optimize your information productivity. If you enjoyed this episode, please do subscribe and give a rating or review on iTunes. It helps others interested in this topic to find these resources. Now, on with the show. On this episode, we learn from Brenda Ramakopelua. I think I'm pronouncing that approximately correctly. Uh, Brenda is a futurist, author, keynote speaker, and award-winning risk and governance professional. She is the CEO of the Transdisciplinary Agora for Future Discussion and Managing Director Adalio Consulting Services in Johannesburg. Now, through her work, she's creating a massive impact in building opportunities for rural Southern Africa. In this episode, Brenda shares insights on using external and internal lenses, developing young futurists, connecting rural Africa to global thinking, and validating ideas for those who are disconnected. Keep listening to learn about her fascinating work and insights. So, Brenda, it's a true delight to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you, Roz. I'm quite excited to be here. So I'd love to hear more about your work. What is it that you do? What are you, what are you looking to achieve in your, your work at the moment? So um, I, I, I do a variety of things. Um, by profession, I'm a risk manager. So I'm a director of a risk and governance company. We're based in South Africa. So I also work as the CEO of Transdisciplinary Agora for Future um, Discussion, which is a science and technology institute. So it's more voluntary. And what we're trying to do there is to try and create a platform for young futurists in Africa and open that gateway for them in and out of Africa. I also sit in um, different boards, for example, at the MICT CETA, which is a media information technology and education uh, sector education authority in South Africa. I sit in the advisory committee for IR. So those are the type of things that I am currently involved in. Well, it sounds like you have plenty on your plate and love to, to hear how you thrive on all of that. But one of, one of the things which is most interesting uh, here is in the transdisciplinary agora for future discussion. So there's two parts of this. One, one is, you, you, of course, you need to understand some of the trends in the future, but you're also helping, as you say, the young futurists in the, the youngest, most dynamic continent on the world. Yes. So 
Perhaps we can start with, I suppose, you in, in order to be able to, you're sensing things. And then I'd love to dig into how it is that you help these young aspiring futurists or, or citizens be able to think well about the future. So, so perhaps we can start with how do, how do you get the sense of what, what are the important trends? What, do, what is shaping uh, your world? So how, how I do it in my world is obviously engaging with people that are around me. Also, you know, reading uh, what's out there. I mean, there's a lot of information right now. Sometimes you just feel like it's, it's just too much. Uh, but trying to find the right sources of information to understand how the world is changing, and especially now that it is rapidly changing, what are the impacts of those changes? Changes. So not just looking internally, but also looking at your external environment. TEFS um, is a global organization with representation across many continents. So it's always important for us to understand what is happening here at home in the African continent, what's happening out there in the globe, what is the impact of that to us, and what is it that we are doing or what's happening here that might have impact out there. So having that external and internal lens does help me to kind of sift through the information in the sense that one looking at different lenses because you know the biases tend to sometimes cloud uh, how we look at things and also getting views from other people that, that that are going through all of these changes to see how they are experiencing that and yeah just uh, keeping myself abreast of things as they happen. So, so I think one of the things you pointed to there is there there are global trends and seeing what is happening with various technological, scientific, you know, geopolitical developments and so on. But there's also the yeah. the African or Southern African perspective where, you know, something you're able to experience more directly and have the people around that to to do that. So I think that that's really, and it is a very distinctive environment globally. So I'd love to just hear a little bit more about how it is you sense how these, you know, factors are playing out more locally in Southern Africa or, or, or how you are sensing what it is more locally that is happening. So if I look at um, the, the, the South African context. I mean, uh, South Africa is one of the fastest developing countries in the African continent. And um, just like most of the African countries, we've got a lot of youth uh, in our country. Um, these are young people that are technologically savvy. These are um, uh, the type of people that are interested in what's happening outside and have got opinions or views in terms of how these things should be approached and you know how they want to impact them so they have they respond to these things in different ways so i think in south africa are more um and and not saying the other african countries aren't but more in south africa i think we've got a lot of young people that are 
in a way, forcing us to think as differently. Uh, by us, I'm talking about, you know, in the public sector, the governments, how they change their policy. If you look at the type of debates that happens in parliament, it's totally different to how it used to happen. You know, there's more voices that are coming through from the young people and, you know, more voices that are forward thinking um, that, that's coming through. When you're looking at, you know, from a corporate environment point of view, you've got a lot of these people, um, young ones that are ambitious, that are trying to change the status quo in terms of uh, be it labor laws, in terms of innovation, in terms of, you know, just socioeconomic factors, you know, affecting their lives. So I think we've got more people getting engaged and more of those people are young people. And that is why the interest in ensuring that there's more training, there's more imparting of knowledge, there's more engagement with them to be able to say, how do you see the future? How do you think you can change the future? Because when you think about it, these young people are the future. But at the same time also, not forgetting the wisdom that come from people that have been there before, uh, that have, you know, have got uh, more experience as well. So where before, for example, I mentioned the fact that I'm a risk manager by profession. So I spend a lot of time in the corporate world uh, doing this risk analysis, scenario planning and such things. Where there was a reluctance to think about what might happen, you know, those are known unknown and start planning for, 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 for the future. There's a, there's a change that I'm seeing in terms of how government prepare for possible disasters, how they put those action plans in place, how also they start to think about if this technological change comes, you know, what are the type of policies that we need to have, the type of processes that need to be in place to ensure that we can execute on those policies, the type of infrastructure we need to be to have in place. It might be slow, very slow at that, but, you know, there's a change in thinking and there's a change in how things are being done. I think, you know, there might be a gap uh, from my view in the sense that there's a lot of more adoption of what has been done outside to fit what needs to happen here at home, which doesn't necessarily work sometimes. We need to, you know, look at our environment and look at the things that are required for our environment specifically and then be able to implement solutions that are fit for purpose, not do it because somebody else has done it. There's a tendency when you think about technology to let technology drive process, not the other way around, not th to think about, you know, this is what we need. This is where we are in terms of maturity. This is why we need what we need. And therefore, what is the best solution um, to, to enable us to get to that point? So we seem to just, you know, start with this new technology, this new innovation, and we run for that without doing proper assessment of if it really 
fit for people's Right. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd love to dig a little bit more into that later. But first, talking about so this idea of nurturing or educating or engaging the young futurists or young people of the nation. So, so part of this, of course, is being able to sense and, well, I suppose, give them the tools to look yes. and to find and to uh, make sense of things themselves. So can you tell me how you are uh, assisting these young futurists to, to to thrive and to make sense of the world in a, in a world of so much information? So at this point in time, you know, the, the, the biggest drive is around, you know, education and awareness, you know, realize that it is happening. Realize that it is happening around you, it is happening to you, and you need to do something about it. You can influence it. Um, you are not necessarily at the mercy of this technology change. Uh, it is something that if you know what it is, you are better prepared to deal with it and you are not surprised. And even if you are surprised, you can re- recover quickly and start to respond to these things. So um, this is by visiting various schools, especially rural area, in rural areas, you know, and engaging with um, the teachers there where there is no uh, technology subject in curriculum. We start at the very basic um, by, you know, uh, introducing them to the basics of technology. First of all, what it is, how do you get in, what are the different things that you, that, 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 you know, you, 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 you get face to face with. I mean, if I give an example, when I get to school and I ask, what do you know about technology? They will tell you about social media. So that's the first thing that is they they've got phones that mm. you know so we start looking at how can you best use them you know to your advantage you know in a schooling environment how do you use the information that you've got abundance of through the internet to benefit you in the journey that you are in um, the biggest challenge that we have is access to technology. Access is a big thing in South Africa, especially in rural areas, and in Africa as a whole, in the sense that I can drive, so I am based in Johannesburg, I can drive to you know, a village that is maybe 70 kilometers from where I am, and you'll find that just Wi-Fi access is an issue. Um, so therefore, you can have a phone, you can have a laptop, but you will not be able to get to the information that you want to get to. Sometimes yes. you do have the uh, the tool as in a phone, a laptop, but um, they just been dumped. You don't know how to do it because nobody ever bothered to teach them to do it. If I give an example of myself, uh, I was saying to somebody that when I, when I did my first year at Varsity, the first thing that I had to, 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 to figure out was, you know, where do you start this computer? I knew there was this box, but I didn't even know what to press. And they say, press or delete. I still had to, you know, get my fingers to do it at the same time. That time you've got kids that are in the cities have gone to school with, you know, better quality education. There were like 20 steps ahead. So while you're still struggling with the basics, People are already running ahead. So that is where we are at, to try and at least ensure that they, you know, we get them to a step better than where they are at and uh, teach them the basics. Where they've got the basics in place, 
we start now introducing them to now that you've got the basics in place, what can you do with this thing? What is the importance of having this tool? And, you know, um, you know, how can you leverage of the strength that you have? Because in a way it is, it is a strength. So yes, it is outreach programs um, to rural areas and farm schools. It is having, you know, um, the, the the master classes, competitions with them. It is having conferences where we invite them um, to, and give them a platform to showcase their innovation. Um, it is also running programs where, you know, there's a bit of technology and bringing in experts. For example, in one school that we are working with, we are introducing vertical farming, uh, where we've got expertise in in vertical farming coming in and showing them you really do not have, you don't need a huge piece of of land to be, because land is an issue in South Africa, um, to be able to uh, produce food because food scarcity is a real issue. So how can you do this when you are limited in terms of resources, but end up being successful? So it's looking at different areas of where young people can be able to participate and also kind of, you know, uh, stimulating their thinking and their brains to be able to, once you've given them the tools, they are able to now run with it. They are able to transfer the skills. They are able to come up with their own solutions. So yeah, education in everything for us at this point in time, me in particular, is very key. And then the tools will come. And then I think, you know, the building blocks will start to come together as we move forward. You are listening to the Thriving on Overload podcast. If you truly want to increase your information productivity, then check out the Thriving on Overload interactive course. It is designed to significantly enhance your information practices and habits, guiding you through creating your own personal information plan so you can excel in a world of overload. Go to thrivingonoverload.com slash course to find out more. Now back to the show. Yes, well, I mean, of course, part of it is, is learning how to learn. But when and once you, if you learned how to learn and you have access to the information, then you can teach yourself more and more. So I think, you know, of course, the te- we do need the technology foundations. Part of that then is giving them the skills to when they do have access to be able to use that well. And I was very interested when you were saying how many, uh, you know, many students first pointed to social media as their idea of technology. And you were saying, well, the next step is to teach them to use that well. So very. So how how is it that you teach young children where their only use of technology is social media to use social media well? So the first thing will be as a risk manager, I always tend to go into security first. You know, uh, you know, kind of make them aware of the pitfalls of using so, uh, social media as well. You know, understanding what that is, and you know kind of going through, you know, how do you prevent this? Well, you can't exactly prevent it because, you know, criminals are always a step ahead. But how do you manage that going forward? Two, if you are using social media, for example, um, for business or you are using it to drive opinions or share knowledge you know who are the people that you should you know be engaging with you know how do you 
um, create your profile in such a way that uh, you are able to, to 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 send the right message or the message that you intend to 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 solve. And how do you deal with feedback that you get? Because I think from what I hear them say is that the biggest thing for them, as much as as they put it, want to be popular on social media, is mm. negative feedback how do you deal with that you know security is also an issue for them how do you deal with that and also you know what are the other benefits of, of of social media i mean they talk about wanting to use it for their education wanting career guidances you know what are the careers that are out there wanting to know the career types that they have when you speak to a, a, a child that comes from most rural areas the, the, their careers are limited to wanting to be a doctor, wanting to be a lawyer, and, you know, like your traditional careers, you know, they don't know mm. that there's more there is out there. So being able to point them to the right institutions or the right people that they can then start following, for example, or start engaging with and getting more information, and then it opens up their world in terms of knowing that, you can be in a rural area, but from an information point of view, you can be a global citizen and actually engage with people while you are still sitting where you are. No, that, that's that's fantastic, and, and particularly you know important in, in an information world. We are connected. We can be anywhere and be anyone. But first, you need to learn that that's that's true. So this is around possibility thinking. I suppose it's not, you know, how is it we get them, I suppose, two parts. One is it how do we get them into be thinking in terms of possibilities and even just to tell them what some of those possibilities are. So so is that part of your your mission and what you are doing? Exactly that. I mean, our, 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 our objective at TAFs, as I mentioned, is to open the gateway in and out of Africa for young futurists. And part of that is creating that platform for them. You've got kids with massive talent um, across the African continent. And most of the time it is not seen because one, they are not known. Two, they do not have access. They do not have the right exposure. So nobody can see what they've got and probably be able to invest in it or be able to help guide them to make it bigger than what it is. Right. And and sometimes it's, it's, it's validation, you know, for somebody to say to you, what you are doing is actually great because all you have is people around you that only know most of the time what you know. So you yes. do not ha- get external voices that validates, you know, this thing of, you know, when you start a business, for example, you will find that in your family or where you stay, people will be like, yeah. Brenda, but when you go outside, people start recognizing you, people start seeing. When you come back, then they see the shiny diamond that you are. So I I find that seems to be the case with a lot of these kids where they really need to just get out there and, and, and just show what they've got. So the platform that we are creating is to do that. I mean, through our town hall meetings where we've got different representatives from different parts of Africa. We've got 54 countries in the African continent. So if we've got from East, West Africa and South Africa, and you've got this young child who's very talented talking about, you know, their innovation, 
some of those people might think, you know, like maybe this is something that is worth exploring, that is worth supporting. And, you know, they might encourage them. Then you get mentors, you get uh, mentees across uh, the continent. And because of the interconnectedness, of, of the world right now, you are able to get, you know, somebody sitting in Australia, somebody sitting in Europe who can say, you know, maybe there's something that I've done, share their experience with them. Oh, this is something new. Actually, it's an idea that can be used here. So creating that platform for them to get the exposure, two, for them to get the confidence that comes with validation that what they are doing is right, or the support to guide them um, in terms of the step that needs to be taken to get to uh, that successive level. Or in other, in other instances, just to be heard and to be seen, yes. you know, that, that, that can boost a lot of confidence. And, and that's the platform that we are creating for them. And I'm hoping that with these outreach programs that we're doing at these schools, and we involve, uh, in my visit, I will involve different stakeholders that will teach them about different subjects. Um, we've got expect, experts around uh, so many areas. If it means bring some uh, stakeholder from governance, like I said, I said, at the, at, the, at the media and um, information technology, sector education, uh, what they call a CETA in South Africa, is that if I can bring them to come and bring their expertise there as well, share with these kids, uh, people that can come teach them about financial management as young entrepreneurs, it helps. All of that together seems to build this confident young person who becomes one of the people that can successfully contribute to the economy of the country and the continent and a global citizen that, you know, participate in the global economy as well. Yeah, no, that, that's fantastic. And that, that's very inspiring. And I think that that idea of the validation, I think, is, is actually very powerful. If you're sitting in Silicon Valley or Beijing or something, then there's a, you're living in the world of information. It's all, you have the validation around you. But if you're not in that context, you may have the ideas just as good or even better, but it's, yes. you can't know that unless you have some kind of a reference point. And so in order to be able to sort of live in a world of ideas, you do need to have the connectedness and the context which you are creating, which so that, that's absolutely wonderful. I think that's, that's a really quite a powerful insight. Maybe just to add to that as well, is that sometimes it's not validation, you know, more the soundboard. Sometimes you've got it wrong, you know, somebody to say, you know, have you thought, have you considered, have you, you know, like just to check your thinking as well and give you the confidence to go back to the drawing board, not with the, oh my God, I can't do this anymore, but, you know, going back to the ground with the confidence that when I come back, I'm going to come back bigger, I'm going to come back greater, and I'm going to do something better. You know, um, I, I think, you know, that's what I also have found because sometimes, you know, the, the idea would be based on just what they know. But as soon as they get more information and see what other people are doing out there, they go, 
wow. So they have that aha moment. And then when they come back, you can hardly recognize, you know, this person that's, that's talking to you and you like just blown away. So it is, it is quite amazing. That's fantastic. So, so to round out, given your experience in being able to bring a give a spark to these young people and young futurists, what what are a few lessons that you would offer to others who are also looking to, I suppose, inspire that um, you know that ability to make uh, their ideas matter in a connected world? So, my, my advice would be more. Keep your biases in check um, because it has a tendency of really, really clouding the way things are because we see the things the way we are. Uh, so, so keep that in check. And also when dealing with young people, what I have found very useful is, is just listening to them. They've got so much to say so much to share so much creativity listen to them and from what they are saying if you say it back to them i promise you the type of solutions that they have for their own challenges it is quite amazing because the first question they would say is that i've got a problem how do i solve it so they're looking for answers but then what they do not realize is that they actually do have those answers. It, how it helps me is that I am able to learn as well. You know, it changes how I see things. So um, our biases will always be there. We will always come back. Uh, we will always go there thinking that we know. But when you engage with different stakeholders, when you look at situation, not the way you understand it, but listening to the external views. It has a way of just making something good to be better. And that will be my advice. And then the second thing also is that when you are, when dealing with people, especially in the type of setting um, that I'm in, um, in, Afri in the African continent, understand that it is not a one-size-fits-all. We need to do an assessment. How is this change that we're talking about going to impact these people? How is this knowledge going to be received? And based on that, tailor make whatever it is that you take into them or want to propose to them. Um, you know, you know, take all of that into consideration because our maturity level, as far as access to information. As far, as far as being able to analyze information, assessing that information is quite different. So you need to you know, understand where they are at and start at that level. And also as they mature, in some cases, they will need handholding. In some cases, they can just run from the word go. In some cases, they will be flying when it starts and gets stuck and understand that, you know, this way your guidance comes in and um, this way the support and it might come in different ways uh, might be needed. It's not always easy, but it is the most fulfilling. Moving around these areas has helped me in particular to understand the environment better, to understand my environment better, to be able to do 
when I do the forecasting, when I do my scenario planning to do it better, uh, because I'm considering uh, the different scenarios that that exist. So um, that will be uh, the bit of advice that I can give. Well, that's fantastic. And of course, you know, in terms of your own information or input or insight you gather, a lot of it is from, of course, the people you are helping and teaching. Yes. And also the people that I'm learning from, I've got the privilege of sitting, you know, uh, sitting with people like yourselves. Uh, I'm able to read some of the books that are out there. And I'm also through tabs uh, and the expertise that uh, the experts that are available to us across the world be able to engage and, you know, they help challenge my thinking as well. And when we bring all of these people together, for me, it's a learning uh, platform. Also, I'm hoping that, you know, I can impart something that can help them. And also the fact that together through collaboration, the private sector, academia and uh, the public sector, we can create a platform where these young people can thrive we can create a platform where these people can see a better future for themselves and, you know, um, at some point be leaders that are better than the leaders that we have today or the leaders that we are. And that is why in August we are hosting the first global conference in South Africa for technology and for, for, for tech and science um, it is all centered around the development of young futurists, and we hope to see a lot of um, expertise from the, across the world coming to visit South Africa and hopefully helping us to support these young ones going forward, going forward in terms of future studies, in terms of supporting the different programs that they have in schools or as young entrepreneurs. That's fantastic. It's very inspiring. Thank you so much for your time. And great to hear about all the wonderful work you're doing, Brenda. Thank you so much, Ross. And thank you for the opportunity to sit in this platform and share what we're doing here. Thank you for listening to the show. If you want more resources to help you thrive in a world of exponential information, go to thrivingonoverload.com, where you can find all podcast episodes, transcripts, show notes, excerpts from my book, Thriving on Overload, the Thriving on Overload interactive course, and a trove of other useful content and resources, including a weekly Tips for Thriving newsletter to keep across it all. If you like this episode, please do help us be found by giving us a rating or review, and subscribe if you'd like to hear more. This is Ross Dawson. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day.